your money or your life. That's what I've titled my message. You know, they, they say in eight, 18th century do, uh, court documents that um, daylight robbery people, uh, these robbers would come and they'll ask this, you know, your money or your life, right? That's an easy choice. Nobody's going like, hmm, let me think, right? <laughs> it's an easy choice. Your money or your life, man. Just take my money, man, you know? Um, the topic of money, whenever you talk about money in church, ooh. <laughs> so let me just say, calm down. I'm not going to ask you for your money yet. But this is a really a point of, a bone of contention, right? Uh, who has access to my money, my hard-earned money? And the two biggest culprits, always the government and the church. You know, when you, when you look at the government, every time the budget is increased, you're holding your, you know, when, it, when the uh, finance minister starts talking, you're holding your wallet. See, after my money again. Then every Sunday you come to church, you're holding a wallet. You see, ask, uh, going to ask for money again. Right? So religion and state, usually the main contenders for our hard-earned money. Um, and that was no different in Jesus' time, right? Uh, whenever money came up, especially taxes, all right? That was the big contention, right? Um, whether you pay temple taxes or you pay um, Roman taxes, all right? And so... Religious leaders trying to trap Jesus, and this is the passage we're going to go to. In that attempt to trap Jesus, they begin, they thought, this is a great topic, right? Because if anybody's going to trip, they're going to trip on this one. And so they use this topic to try and trip Jesus, all right? So let's look at Luke chapter 20, um, and we begin with verse 20. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. May I say something here, side, sidebar? Um, I want to say this, that um, words bind or loose, loosen relationships. You know, what we say will bind or loosen relationships. And I think we, we tend to be quite careless. We are very careful with our money, but careless with our words. May I suggest it's more important for us to be careful with our words. Because words can bind or loosen relationships. All right? and, um, and here they wanted to seize the words of Jesus. All right? Because he... he Whatever he says, this moment is going to either trap him and position him, all right, where he comes under a power or an authority. So we, we keep reading. Teacher, they said, we know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. You know that they, they don't believe that, right? They're just trying to put cream on his um, cake. Um, you teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their trickery and said, show me a Roman coin whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So they failed to trap him by what he said in front of the people instead they were amazed by his answer, and they became silent. I love this. For the first reason I love this passage is that the way Jesus, all right, was 
um, invited to position himself. And um, that moment, that very moment, he was invited to respond and speak, all right? And Christ, wisdom himself, all right, speaks with wisdom. Proverbs 4, 5 to 6, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love wisdom. She will watch over you. And I want to suggest to us, go back to that sidebar. In our relationships, that moment by moment conversations we have, right? Let's just use wisdom. Invite God, God, before I respond to this, before I position myself in this, before I position the other that I'm speaking to in this, give me wisdom. How do I respond to this situation, right? Because wisdom will protect your relationship. Wisdom will watch over your relationships. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? There's a good reason why they're asking this question, right? Because the people of Israel hated to pay taxes to Caesar. Why? Because they were heavily burdened, right? Some scholars say there was one third of a person's income was taxed by the Roman Empire. Can you imagine? You're already poor. One third of your income, all right, is taken away from you. And then what was it used for? Roman army, road systems that only used by uh, the Roman, uh, really mainly the Roman guards, right? Uh, Roman courts, temples for the Roman gods, right? You wouldn't see synagogues being funded by the Roman Empire, right? They funded um, temples for the Roman gods, and it also goes to the emperor's personal wealth, right? So you can understand why there would be this deep hatred um, to pay taxes to Caesar, right? Um, and so the question really was, um, Jesus, have you made that choice between God and Caesar? Do you still pay allegiance to Caesar or do you pay allegiance to God? Shouldn't we instead give our money to God? Shouldn't we build the temple because the government's not going to help us build a synagogue? The government's not going to help us run the temple in Jerusalem, right? Jesus' answer, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. It's not a clever answer. It's not Jesus trying to wiggle his way out of this uh, difficult situation. He is giving us a principle of life. And the principle of life is give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. So what are the things that belong to Caesar? The right to govern a nation. Right Now, I know I'm walking in very dangerous territory here. And you're going to ask me a lot of questions when we have coffee later. Um, and so I'll have two cups. <laughs> but you think about it. Jesus is saying, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. In other words, give him the right to rule over his empire. Right? Now, Jesus, the, the disciples, the apostles would pick this principle up very clearly. Paul would teach that. Romans 13, 1 to 7. And I'll read the whole um, seven verses uh, with you. All right. Romans 13, 1 to 7. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. 
Therefore, whoever resists the... As I'm reading this, are you aware the man who's writing this, right, was arrested three times unjustly by this very government he's talking about? Do you understand that appointed governors, all right, put him in prison, appointed governors allowed people to beat him up, right? There was no justice for this man living in, under the Roman rule. And yet he is teaching us this principle of God. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, right? Whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you, now, this, again, he's saying it to us. And yet evil was done to him many times by the authorities of the day, right? Um, do you want to be un, uh, unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise for the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does, does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. He's saying, not... Don't just submit to the government because you're afraid of the government. Now, I realize 16 years living in New Zealand, Kiwis aren't afraid of the government. <laughs> All right? Um, in Malaysia, there is fear. You know, when, when you actually stay, go out there to protest, you know you come home and you will be hurt. All right? There is fear. Um, um, that, the police force are trained to instill fear, all right? When you enter into the airport, as you touch down in a Malaysian airport, all right, all the police have M16s. They hold M16s, right? For, uh, for Kiwis, I can imagine it's a shock. We, our, our cops, I don't think um, dear old um, Dylan has a gun. He would love, I'm sure he would love it. It might look good on him. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Um, but, you know, um, I think Paul is saying, and, and you talk about fear, the Roman, Roman guards knew how to instill fear, right? Um, everything about them um, was fearful. Uh, and so he's saying, don't just, don't just be subject to the, the, to the government out of fear. He's saying there's something called a clear conscience. That means there's something that you do that must be right in God's eyes. And so he's inviting the church, right, to be subject, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, right? For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, and he's using the same word that um, Jesus used, render, all right? Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. Right? And again, I remind you, this is a man who's seen injustice done to him because of the gospel. And yet, a principle that has been laid down by God cannot be broken. It is not about the government. It's about who we represent, and that is Christ our Lord, right? So irrespective of the government, we still must do what is right. And Romans 13, 5, 
you must submit to them, right? To keep a clear conscience. Now listen to Peter, another apostle, another one who went through unjust treatment by the very government he's going to teach us about. 1 Peter 2, 11 to 14. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world for the Lord's sake submit to all human authority whether the king as head of state or officials he has appointed I find this a very difficult passage of scripture right coming from a man who suffered much under Roman rule right but I like the way he looks at it he calls himself and calls you temporary residents, foreigners. When you go into another country and you see the injustice that goes on, you can't do anything about it. You're a foreigner, right? So when we go and visit these countries, we go and eat their food, we enjoy doing some shopping, and we come back here, all right, and get and feel safe back in New Zealand because we are foreigners. We can't do anything in a country that we are not citizens in. And so Peter is looking at that and he's calling us foreigners, temporary residents. The Apostle Paul calls us, calls us tent dwellers, right? In other words, don't get comfortable in this world. Most of what's going on in this world are temporary. They are temporal things. Right? I'm not saying don't engage with, um, with politics. You know? I'm not saying that you don't use your right to vote a government in or out. That's our right to do so. But I'm saying that everything that's going on in this world today is temporal. There's only one thing that has eternal value, and that is the kingdom and the kingdom, the kingdom of God and the King Jesus that we submit to. Right? So I'm saying this: we have become so comfortable with this world that we have got caught up with temporal matters that have no eternal consequences. So I'm asking us to think again. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Let it go, the things that I have temporal in nature. Right? Let's not get distracted. Because the church has one assignment and one assignment only. And we need to keep focused on that. That's, we are permanent residents in the kingdom of God. And we have an assignment and task to do. And if, if how we behave in the world, if it affects our testimony and our witness, then it is affecting our one assignment that God has given us. Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Then Jesus said, render to God what belongs to God. Now, if you didn't like what I said the first time, I don't know how you're going to like the second part of this sermon. Maybe three coffees. 
The things that belong to God. What are things that belong to God? I'm glad you asked. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, the context, the immediate context of this passage is Paul is addressing an issue that was going on in the church, and they asked, they sent a letter along with all these issues, and they asked him to respond to it as their spiritual father in the faith. And so he's responding. This particular issue that, um, that he talks about here is in the context of sexual immorality, right? There were members of the church still participating in temple worship, right, with temple prostitutes. And so he's dealing with that issue. But the way he deals with it he doesn't talk about behavior. He presents us with a principle. Even Jesus, he didn't address it straight away. He talked about a principle. This is our problem, really. Most of the time, we go to the Bible and pick up practices. That's what gets us into trouble. We pick up a practice and we, we make that um, doctrine. right? But the Apostle Paul, Jesus... Peter, you constantly see when they are addressing issues in the church, they give you a principle. And that principle is a life principle. And so we can use the principle in any area of our lives and it will produce good practice, Christian practice. All right? And this is the principle he's saying. Why, why do you avoid sexual immorality? Because this is the principle. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means I, the reason why I can't just keep on eating the way I'm eating is because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, I don't think we fully grasp this concept that your body and my body are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, right? In, in, in a few chapters later, Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, right? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That means what is in you has power. You carry, you are a container of the power of God. Because God himself is in you. You contain God. You contain his power. You contain all that God represents through the Holy Spirit that is in you. A good uh, picture is the Ark of the Covenant. If you go back to that st the stories around the Ark of the Covenant, wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, the power of God was there. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, the presence of God was there. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, the provision of God was there. In other words, you are a moving temple. You, everywhere you go, the power of God is in you. The presence of God is in you. The provision of God is in you. And so he's saying, if that's who you are, your body, do you know who your body is? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You, your body contains the presence of God. And so every practice, every behavior of your life should be influenced by this concept. 
Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a container of the power and the presence and the provision of God. It doesn't stop there. It says, because your body is the temple, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. When he says you were bought, we already know. That means somebody paid something. But he's saying you're bought at a price. There's a cost. God paid a price. His son, Jesus Christ. This whole concept of redemption, again, we don't speak of it often. We don't think of it often enough. Maybe once a month when we break bread together, we remind ourselves of that. But every day, we should be reminding ourselves that Jesus Christ paid a price for this body of yours, right? He redeemed your body. 1 Peter 1, 17 to 19, Peter puts it this way. Remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Here again, he uses that word. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose the value it was the precious blood of Christ the sinless spotless lamb of God apostle Paul is saying you don't belong to yourself anymore you've been bought with a price God owns you he paid for you you were a slave to sin you're a slave to the world he paid the price he bought you he owns you you were bought at a price and because of that he says Glorify God in your body. Romans 12, 1 to 2, and I'll close with this. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, which is pleasing, which is perfect. This is the only assignment we have as a church. This is what citizens of the kingdom have been assigned to do, to glorify God every day of our lives. And how do we do that? We present ourselves daily as a living and holy sacrifice. Everything we think of, everything we do, everything we say, every action, every thought, every connection, every relationship that we have is a living sacrifice unto God. We bring glory to God. It's one thing to stand here and worship God with words and music. That's the easiest part of worship. The difficult part of worship is on Monday morning. When you get out there into the real world, right, where there is no music, there are no words given to us to say, but every act we do, every thought we have, every word we say is worship unto God or is not worship unto God.
So I want to invite you this morning to go back to that question that was asked by Jesus, right? And maybe this is, this is daylight robbery for you. I'm sticking you up in and saying your money or your life, right? And I want to say to you, God doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your property. God wants your life. God wants my life. So are we majoring in minors these days? Are we preoccupied with temporal things and neglecting the most important thing God has required of us? Render to God what belongs to God. You belong to God. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.